Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And I think this week we have a pick from Nick. I've got a pick for us, guys. This is the soundtrack to 1995's Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Yeah! All right. A very long movie title. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the title. <laughs> Needlessly long. <laughs> Maybe that'll have something to do with our recommended track. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that I hadn't watched until now. Same. I definitely remember Likewise. when it came out, and it was kind of... Um, I feel like it got lost for me a little bit in the Priscilla uh, Birdcage era of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 90s gay acceptance explosion. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of like a half-hearted dip into the, the the swimming pool of gay pride in the 90s. And this was a part of it. And I uh, wasn't familiar with the soundtrack, wasn't familiar with the film. Same, same. But I was excited to, to dive into it. It's giving me the eyes. <laughs> uh, Nikki, what's our first track? Let's jump into track one. This is Salt and Pepper with I Am the Body Beautiful. like a little bit of a weird salt and pepper track for me yeah i think salt and pepper did this song for the film which is uh something we'll see through the soundtrack i think it's a lot of original music for the film yeah it's kind of cool salt and pepper were they were a band uh you know they sound like a duo i guess they're a trio with spinderella and this was uh, a band forgot about spinderella i grew up with and um i like them i kind of like uh what you got against salt and pepper dude come on man I just salt think, and pepper. <laughs> I think they belong to like a period of hip hop. That's uh, there's like a few like early hip hop acts that I still think really hold up, uh, like Rakim and Public Enemy. I feel like this is maybe not one of them. I disagree. This is. I mean, you're right. It's in Living Color era hip hop, which yeah. I, I think they absolutely performed on that show. I think Spinderella was maybe the house DJ in In Living Color for oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that might be right. And um, I don't know. I think their legacy seems to be that they like sort of were overtly sexual and sort of uh, not objects of uh, sexuality, but more so like, hey, girls get laid too. Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, they were I, very playful and didn't take themselves too seriously. And I like the track that they did for this. Yeah. They're pretty. I mean, I'm a big, like, you know, push it as a jam, but I think that absolutely maybe I'm like, uh, comparing them too harshly, but I think that Missy Elliott is like a huge, uh, great like rap star and i just think uh salt and peppa as our earlier generations like a little kitschy for me yeah but you know what salt and peppa didn't do the movie taxi that was queen latifah right <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no you're right i mean missy elliott absolutely has had like a bigger um uh, she's had a, a, a more lasting impact and has continued to come out with music for decades after. But um, I don't think that takes away from Salt and Pepper. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Maybe that's a false equivalency. But uh, this track is okay. I think that when I watched the film, I feel like it was a slightly different track. I saw somebody uh, 
complaining on it on like a I think maybe an Amazon uh, soundtrack review or something. <laughs> Those Amazon reviews are brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's a a great uh, section of the internet to, <laughs> to dive deep into. <laughs> Yeah, this plays over the uh, top of the movie, yeah. and we uh, get introduced to the characters, mm-hmm. and we get a little peek of Wesley Snipes playing Noxima Jackson. Yeah, which is a great name, Noxima. <laughs> he looks <laughs> amazing. They all look amazing in this movie. Yeah, it's uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's um, Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo, and they're three drag queens that are driving across uh, the nation from New York to California to compete in a drag competition. Yeah, they've won the drag competition in New York City, and now they're traveling to California to try to win the title. Yeah, well, two of them won, and we'll get into it, but John Leguizamo (laughs) is not eligible for the Nationals. Uh, I don't know what... Uh, I don't know how uh, he got away with that. But. I, have, I have a few. I have a few issues already at the head of the film. One is like, so they're competing the the drag competition in New York City. I think is at Webster Hall. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like set up to where it's like a little bit of a regional thing heading towards like the nationals in in Hollywood, I guess. And definitely at the at the end of the film, we do get a glimpse of the glamorous like a uh, Hollywood drag show. And like. I'm sorry, but New York is like the epicenter the of drag, drag. capital. This, this, like, nobody needs to like drive across the country to like mm-hmm. uh, to, that, that's insulting to <laughs> to our dear yeah. city. Yeah, I'd say there's probably more drag queens per capita in New York City and than any best. other place in the, the world. Maybe yeah. their road trip should have been the other way. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they should have been coming from like San Diego or something. <laughs> uh, secondly, Steph watched the film with me, and she was like a little disparaging about some of the makeup. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, 1995. I So, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert came out a year before this, and I've confused the two of these movies in my head. Uh, I hadn't seen uh, this movie, but like early on before I had seen either, I was like, oh, yeah, Patrick Swayze's in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, right? And people are like, no, 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 you're thinking of Tu Wong Fu. And I'm like, what? Are you, what? Tu Wong what? <laughs> tu Wong who? <laughs> it's like, I'm embarrassed to say, so I haven't watched uh, Priscilla. Mm-hmm. But my understanding, and I don't know if this is like an American, like the American ripoff. I mean, the timing's pretty close, but uh, I've always understood this to be the ants to the uh, bug's life of Priscilla. I think it absolutely is. Yeah, for I, sure. I looked into it, and apparently the people that made Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, heard about this movie coming out, and they were like, what the heck? And they read the script, and they were like... I guess it's different enough. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but Priscilla uh, maintains a, a, a better critical success. Uh, okay. This was a, a bigger financial success. And oh, really? Of course, this one came out in the U.S. Um, and did, I think, about like three times the ticket sales. That Priscilla yeah, it was did. a but box office success. Yeah. You yeah. guys want to jump into track number two? Let's do it. Let's do it. This is Shaka Khan with Free Yourself. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I just Shaka recommended Khan? Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. One of our last episodes for her song uh, "Dance with Me" with Rufus, and uh, you know she got started when she was in her early twenties, 
And uh, this was a song that was also made for the soundtrack. And uh, Chris and Caleb and I were just watching this video of Shaka Khan Shaka where she Khan. was... Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. <laughs> Shaka Khan. <laughs> she was performing at the uh, 2020 NBA All-Star Game in February. And um, people on Twitter were heavily criticizing her, comparing her rendition of the national anthem to uh, Fergie's in 2018. And I think that is a completely unfair criticism. I thought it was great. Yeah, that, that was, was fine. Yeah. She was killing it. Yeah, I didn't was, understand the Fergie's crit- was like, very, Fergie. very questionable. <laughs> Fergie's was garbage. Yeah. Uh, Shaka Khan was amazing. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I thought she was great. Like, I don't know. It's a... Uh, First of all, the national anthem's garbage, and like, uh, hey, what do you want? <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you want? Uh, Francis Scott Key is rolling in his grave <laughs> from Shaka Khan's rendition. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Ugh, get over it. Who cares? Uh, yeah, I think this is this is a pretty you know decent '90s uh, Shaka Khan song. It, this is like um. When I was a kid, I guess, I remember getting into dance music a little bit, and it was a lot of the artists that are on the soundtrack or that kind of genre. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, this weird kind of awkward watered-down phase in between disco and EDM where there were pop hits that were like dance hits, but nobody wanted to admit that they were essentially disco. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there were a lot of sub-genres, kind of indie genres of house music going on in like Chicago and Miami that didn't, you know, they would kind of peek into the the top 10 every once in a while, but people mm-hmm. kind of roundly ignored them. But uh, I like the sound. Yeah. The song is playing. Uh, they've already started their journey in a, in a crappy Cadillac that I guess Robin Williams helped them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robin, this was the uh, the year before the Birdcage came out. Yeah, yeah, he was deep into characters. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's right. <laughs> who was like a ticket scalper slash like, but for like travel. <laughs> the early part of this film, I, I had like a little bit of a hard time with. <laughs> uh, one of the issues that I've had with this film, I can't quite even figure out how I feel about it, is the casting of all straight men to play the drag queens. Mm-hmm. It's... John Leguizamo, I think, is maybe the best. Yeah, uh-huh. no, I mean, he, he really pulls it off, but it's... So it's an era where there are essentially no out movie stars. Correct. Like, and uh, maybe there are openly gay actors, but they wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't open a film. And it's like, uh, there were all these stories of like, oh yeah, everybody wanted to play these characters. There was like a big long list of people that were like, oh, I could just die in to get that part. Yeah, very like, long list. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that just might be like a PR thing after the fact. People are like, oh yeah, like, you know, fucking Jamie Kennedy would have loved uh, Some like, of the people on that list were yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. Rob Lowe, yeah, Gibson. John Turturro, uh, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp. Yeah. yeah. Well, I believe that Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Oldman was, uh, he wanted to do it, but he was doing Dracula at the same time. He was like, I just can't do two, uh, two heavily make up things in a row. It's Dude, too much for the, me. The 90s were a crazy time. Uh, but I, uh, I don't know what it is. Like, I just, I think that they, all the actors and the leads, they go for it. And I feel like they're genuine in their portrayal. And it's not like a cloying mocking thing, but, uh, mm-hmm. It just feels a. It makes me tense up a little bit, and then I'm like, I, I just, I, I hope that this isn't like 
an exploitation of, of something, yeah. you know, instead of a celebration. I was a bit mm. nervous of doing the episode in general because I felt that way, kind of the whole movie. Um, I thought Wesley Snipes was amazing. Yeah, the second, like, oh, second half of the like, film, really he just good. turns and he's just constantly bitching at people and he's really, really funny. I'm like, all right. The, the only one, I think, basically the lead, uh, Patrick Swayze, he's in like the the uh, the Tootsie ass. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. in, he's doing like the whole Tootsie thing um, and it, it's just more like a, Oh, I want to declare. <laughs> like, person, like, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Apparently on set, they got so into their characters that they got pretty sassy with each other during the filming. <laughs> there was a lot of fighting. And uh, I was watching some interview with Patrick Swayze and uh, the interviewer asked him, you know, who the best drag queen was. And he says, well, clearly it was me. I was definitely the prettiest. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. You seem pretty confident. I mean, I think we we all know that Leguizamo was the prettiest, but I will say that Wesley Swayze was apparently very difficult to work with. Wesley Snipes is famously very sassy on set. Like uh, he was pretty sassy on some of those Blade movies. It's so funny that he went from this to Blade like not that long after, and he is like incredibly tough and even more difficult, I'm sure, on the Blade set <laughs> than he is in this. Oh man, I do, dude, I love it. I do love everybody uh, involved in this film, even though I think a lot of them have have been uh, exposed as being like kind of <laughs> terrible people to work with, but that doesn't make them terrible people. That's correct, but maybe it does. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I want to jump into track three. Let's do it. This is Patty Labelle, Nona Hendrix, and Sarah Dash with "Turn It Out." All right. Yeah, this is uh, the band LaBelle as opposed to Patty LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Who is in the band LaBelle? This is like a little bit of the, uh, maybe I guess it's like a take on the, the Norm MacDonald Fantastic Four joke. <laughs> it's like, oh, just, and I'm Mr. Fantastic or something. It's like, well, you know, it's only natural we call the band LaBelle. And everybody's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I'm the best. <laughs> call the band, but you're LaBelle. It's like, yeah. And now we're all LaBelle. <laughs> song is playing um so if you haven't seen the movie they uh they break down very shortly into their trip uh in some sort of podunk town in the middle of nowhere and uh, they basically are pulling a queer eye uh sort of thing and they're like you know everybody they're come in contact with they're like improving their life and then they do some like ladies day with these uh with these local women and they do like a fashion show and this is the makeover song. yeah they do like a makeover like 60s glow up uh with all these ladies in town yeah they get stuck in this little town in middle america and uh their car is in the shop waiting for a part mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that we're glossing over a couple things one they uh <laughs> Go they, on. They, you know, may or may not have uh, murdered a police officer. Oh, that's right. Well, that's right. <laughs> they left the body. <laughs> Question the, mark. Chris Penn. <laughs> and the second, the second thing we're kind of leading off is that the little town they break out in is like, uh, it's one of those Hollywood like uh, ghost town, like from an old like uh, western film. It's true. Like there's literally. Woo, woo, woo. 
<laughs> I dirt read, and then there's like yeah. there's just dust and <laughs> bugs and flies i uh <laughs> I was reading like one thing about the making. You haven't been to most of America, dude. Come on. <laughs> I, mean, there, I, mean, this, I think that the I think that they shot a majority of the film in Nebraska, so I guess it's like the Dust Bowl for real. <laughs> uh, but I think at one point I was reading, there was like, oh, it was a difficult shoot for this reason and for this reason, and also that the shoot took four and a half months. It's like what? Oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> what? I don't know if that's real, but I think that it's real. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't, did fucking Titanic take four and a half months? Probably not. Like the actual shoot? I think you could That's a long time. It was something that Swayze was complaining about in that same interview where he was saying how great he is as a drag queen. He's like, yeah, and it took four and a half months? They could have knocked this thing out in like two weeks. I I am shocked that it took four and a half months. Because it's not like anything was a difficult, like there was in four different places within the town that seems like a fake town. Yeah. No special effects. They could have done it all in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! And uh, Patty Labelle has had some music on um, some different soundtracks over the years. One of which we may get to, which is the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Oh yeah, which she had a couple of songs for. We've talked about doing that one. Yeah. Oh, big time soundtrack. I actually thought about picking that for my last, but we just done uh, Action Jackson, and it's like very much in the same theme. Yeah, and Action Jackson's a much better movie. So oh, okay. <laughs> You guys want to get into track four? Let's do it. This is Crystal Waters with Who Taught You How? these tracks is like kind of making me miss like being able to go out to a dance club in brooklyn <laughs> on a saturday night yeah man crystal waters i remember having uh she had a single called 100 pure love and i had it on uh-huh. i had the single oh, wow. and my brother and i just like wore it out it i couldn't like find a, much information about her career yeah i mean she i don't know if i would say one hit wonder i think she had a couple dance hits in the 90s and it's very you know this kind of um I guess it's, you know, it's house music sanitized for the radio a little bit. I say sanitized, not that it's house music was dangerous, but I think that it was just a little bit ni- too niche for like pop radio. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think like Christian moms in the 90s were waving their finger at uh, this music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't dangerous or per, tipper se, gore. <laughs> per se, but it was like every once in a while there would be like Crystal Waters or like Robin S. There would be these kind of tracks where uh, as a kid, I just kind of, they were like, oh, here's, here's like a... A pop song, but for some reason, this one's better. Yeah. And then I find out later, it's just like, yeah, man, it was just house music mm-hmm. and uh, just wasn't on the radio. Uh, but this, yeah, this is like a decent, a decent house track. Yeah, I dig it. I mean, it kind of blends into a lot of what I would expect to uh, see some voguing to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a very appropriate soundtrack for the film. <laughs> yeah. So, so something interesting that happens in this movie is there's about, um, the whole movie is about an hour and 45 minutes. 
And that is correct. Seems longer. There's a uh, there's about an hour chunk within the middle of it, which no music happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's inexplicable. <laughs> once they get to the town, it's like there's a little bit of like oboe score every once in a while. Yeah, like, yeah. Wah, wah. I, I was okay with that. You yeah, know, just coming off our recent Baby Driver episode, where the music is just through the entire movie and it's just so uh, choreographed to all the actions. I, I didn't mind the break in the music. I yeah. disagree with you. There, there needed to be. <laughs> way more music there was like okay fucking patrick swayze was in nebraska for three months with no music just somebody following around with an o- like an oboe it must have been hell just trying that's to where sp- all their friction trying came to from. swat all the flies away from his wig god man there's a ton of references that I, I guess like part of drag queen culture is like who are you like Danetta jackson and you're like oh i don't I, there's so much <laughs> Like, I need, like, years of context to understand how biting that comment should be towards me right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that was... Well, okay, so let's let's begin at the beginning. Uh, like, I can't remember. Uh, Jane Mansfield. It's like, I don't want to be Jane Mansfield in this car. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Jane Mansfield was, like, a 70s star... 60s star, maybe? And then she got in an auto accident. 50s star? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. Good, good one, though. You got me. <laughs> Something that I thought was a little bit ridiculous was that uh, the character that John Leguizamo plays named uh, Chichi Rodriguez, Rodriguez. the professional golfer golfer, Chichi Rodriguez, I guess, took issue with this. (laughs) And uh, he sued the production company and distributor over the use of his name in the film. And they eventually uh, settled uh, out of court. Not only did on they undisclosed settle, terms, but it's like, come on, form Chi Chi. Chi Chi. I was I was watching the uh, closing credits because you never know how many songs are going to pop up as the scroll, and it's like it's, true. it's going and it's going, and in the part where like sometimes there'll be like any any similarities between fictional characters and real blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. There is like a paragraph about how Chi Chi Rodriguez, the character, has nothing to do with a professional golfer. Oh man, <laughs> this girl's fun. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's a great name. Uh, I mean, if there were a um, a movie about drag queens and one of them was named Caleb Brown, uh, how do you think you would react? Uh, I would Let's say you're I a professional react. golfer. I would say if if I'm Tiger Woods and I'm just kind of like everything's okay, and then somebody's like I'm Tiger, you're like also pretty good drag name, Tiger, like, Woods. Yeah, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, my man. I'm like ah. They're making fun of me, right? Yes. <laughs> and you get some producer on the phone. It's like, oh no, 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 oh, no. Coincidence. <laughs> you guys want to jump into track number five? Yeah, this is Tom Jones with "She's a Lady." So obviously we've got a, a little bit of a newer version of She's a Lady for the movie, which uh, I can appreciate. I know that we've heard the original of She's a Lady in our Fear and Loathing episode. Mm-hmm. And um, always one surprising fact about Tom Jones is that he's Welsh. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's Welsh MBA. Something we talked about in our last episode where like you have people from the UK that are doing an American accent, but it, you usually don't hear it the other way around for some reason. There were a few uh, like new wave bands in the early 80s, American bands. I always talk about... Uh, like Flock of Seagulls, maybe? Early uh, ministry tracks. There's a mm. couple of ministry tracks where uh, Al Jorgensen's doing like a very British, <laughs> clippy British like new oh, wave okay. voice. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that is a, a theft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's appropriating in the worst possible <laughs> way. I should say this is, I think, okay. the Junior Vasquez remix. This is a little bit of a mm-hmm. remix of the Tom Jones mm-hmm. uh, the original. Some like early house bass. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. And uh, Tom Jones... Jones, you may remember, also did a little bit of dabbling in acting. He appeared in 1996's uh, Mars, Mars Attacks. Attacks. Yeah, yeah, I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> Unforgettable. <laughs> I, I, he played himself, and I love, they're like, hey, oh, you're, yeah. you're Tom Jones. He's like, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> it's great. Um, this is during the, uh, the drag pageant, uh, the aforementioned one at Webster Hall. And uh, we had a little uh, cameo from uh, RuPaul in a very interesting dress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, that's right. It's the Confederate flag <laughs> dress. And I, I, I was giggling to myself, being like, "Cancel, RuPaul, canceled." <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Steph was Steph was a little bit curious about that. I I chalked it up kind of to the general like transgressive nature of uh, of drag, and it's supposed to be like a very satirical overamplification of straight culture. Yeah, and uh, kitsch is like a big thing mm-hmm. that yeah, I, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, so uh, I would never wear that dress, but I laughed when I saw it. And <laughs> I think I I think I get that joke. And I think I'm fine with that. Really funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man, there's um, uh, Patton Oswalt has a great joke about like, I guess uh, RuPaul used a um, a term that is out of date uh, about uh, transgender people, and then like transgender people tried to get RuPaul canceled, and it's like ru fucking paul like the person that laid down on the barbed wire so you could run across her back like they opened up a lot of doors and now you guys are trying to like i don't know that's sort of i do remember first learning about tom jones i think when i was watching uh, dana carvey's mid-90s hbo special it was like the critic's choice yeah and uh, I guess there was some era of Tom Jones's career where he was wearing really tight pants on stage and his dick is just basically popping out. <laughs> and uh, Dana Carvey just refers to him as uh, Tom and his Jones. <laughs> Tom and his Jones. It's like, he's not like a sex symbol by any means, but no. he has some of the sultriest, most like sexy songs ever. And you're like, that guy? Mm-hmm. This is like weird. If if he weren't singing those songs, he would just be like a pub regular <laughs> yeah. in Wales. Just like, you know, if you want to play dots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you guys want to jump into track number six? Yeah. This is the Commodores with Brick House. It's a great track. I know that uh, this song was originally about a woman with a great body. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the original lyric was, she's built like a brick shit house. 
and they couldn't really air that on the radio, so they just left a gap there, and that's why you hear a gap in the song where she's a brick house. (laughs) And um, they also reference like some specific measurements in that song, which is 36, 24, 36, which I guess ACDC and then Sir Mix-A-Lot also integrated into some of their songs. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, fun fact, in 1991, the Commodores were inducted into the National Association of Brick Distributors' Brick Hall of Fame. Oh, nice. In recognition of the song. Oh, congrats, yeah. Commodores. Woof. Ah, what a get. That was a good get. Yeah. That's pretty big. Good job, guys. That's pretty big. I already knew that, but uh, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did want to say this is like a pretty good opportunity before we get to the halfway point to mention some of the other actors in this film. Sometimes yeah, we gloss over some of the supporting actors. Some great cameos in this movie. Uh, Stockard Channing is a great actress, of <laughs> Rizzo. course. Rizzo. Uh, Arliss Howard from uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Penn, we mentioned before. Uh, Beth Grant, who uh, will be reunited with Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko. Yeah. She's doubting his commitment to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she falls in love so much with, uh, with Vita that follows her to uh, the DC area. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, sure. Uh, I did want to, I had like a little bit of thing I wanted to talk about Jason London. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the London twins. I always forget that Jeremy London, his twin, uh, is. I forget he's a twin. I always, <laughs> I have always to, forget he's a I twin. I always have to look up, even if I know the name, I have to figure out which one's which. So this is the Days and Confused, Confused twin. Guy. Yes. Uh, so one thing. So you you've done some uh, commercial auditioning and auditioning in different contexts, and I wanted yes, to I bring have, this yeah. up in that I've read and I feel like heard people talk about a lot, especially like character actors, of what it's like to be a certain type of character, and you get called in constantly for a similar type of role. And when you come into the waiting room, you look around and you see all the same people, and you're like, oh, here I am again with like six people who. I know personally that all kind of like are the same size and general look as me. Yeah. And one of them is a the guy that usually gets the job and you're like, Hey Jim. It's like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, and I was just like, what is it like being one of the London twins? You called in and you walk into the waiting room and there's your fucking twin. <laughs> this guy always gets it (laughs) jason is the more successful of the two and there's no discernible difference between the two (laughs) acting style is the same one of them is the mall rats twin and one of them is the days of confused twin right like equal levels of fame for a minute and then i think jason got dazed and confused maybe I still think they're pretty equal. I have to say they they got to be undercutting the marketability of each other. It's like <laughs> if you go in and you're like, well, your agent's trying to play hardball. You know, we have your brother's number. Yeah. It, it, we don't even really know which one we're talking to right now. <laughs> I think they could have like been like, look, man, I'll just I'll show up to set some days. You show up the other days. We can work half the time. We'll split the checks. Who cares? I know that a uh, little bit of a throwback, but uh, there's an episode of Pinky in the Brain from back in the day that kind of pokes fun at that casting process where Brain is doing a voiceover session and they're kind of making fun of that Orson Welles voiceover session where he was notoriously difficult to deal with. Yeah. And just Frozen as, peas. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> sentence starts with a preposition. And he gets really pissed off, and he's like, ah, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah. And um, in the sketch, like, Brain leaves the studio, and he walks out, and he sees 40 other Brains. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I'll go back in and take the gig, or else I'm never going to have another job again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that voice actor, uh, I guess, has a really good... I mean, Brain 
is basically doing an Orson Welles impression in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then that same guy has done uh, Orson Welles on the show, The Critic. Oh, the really? Same, yeah, oh, that yeah, was a great show. voice actor. Yeah, yeah. I loved The Critic back in the day. 90s New York. What a hilarious place. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to jump into track seven? Let's do it. This is Monifa with Nobody's Body. Manifa from uh, East Harlem, New York, um, well known for her association with the uh, late rapper Heavy D. Heavy D. But mm-hmm. also maybe well known for uh, her cast role in the uh, reality show R&B Divas Atlanta. Yeah, that's what I know her from. Yeah. <laughs> that's about all the information I think we could find on Monifa. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she had too many hits after this. Uh, I don't know if she has a, a fully fleshed out Wikipedia page yeah she was on famous records uh based out of sunrise florida if you can believe that <laughs> <laughs> i guess i can pretty wild stuff i don't know are we uh, are we coming up on a halfway point of this episode? i think we're coming up on a break gentlemen we are going to add a song to the track listing spotify playlist at the end of the episode uh one of our favorite songs with a needlessly long and maybe bad title unnecessarily long song title what's the title of this movie again oh yeah we should <laughs> too long to well. thanks for everything julie newmar julie, julie newmar. newmar which we should say comes from they see it on a, a framed like signed portrait and i assume too long too wong fu wong fu is like a restaurant i'm it was, guessing it was either the because they're i think they're in either a chinese restaurant or a place that used maybe is a place that used to be like kind of a uh, show busy Chinese restaurant. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not too Wong Fu. It's too Wong Fu. Yeah. yeah, Wong Fu is either the restaurant or somebody who's running the, the restaurant. I'm glad we cleared that up. I was expecting <laughs> some sort of you do like Julie, Julie Newmar does show up at the end of the film, but yeah, I was expecting a little does. bit more like explanation of what the fuck's going on. There's a reveal later on that Patrick Swayze stole the portrait from the restaurant. No, no, you see her. You, you see her see, take it. Yeah, you see. Her. Oh, Patrick Swayze just like pulls it right off the wall and just <laughs> okay. pockets it like right in front of fucking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Crime, criminal, killing uh, cops. <laughs> so, anyways, we are gonna add a song to the playlist, and then I put together a game for you guys after the break. Kalen's got a Exciting. game for us. Right. A little episode of Supergroup. So, stay tuned. All this and nothing else when we return. Thank you to everyone for listening to Track Listing Podcast. It's 2021. We got a lot of great soundtracks for you guys. You can also find us on a variety of social media platforms. Oh, you sure can, Nick. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can reach out at, at TrackListingPodcast. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on Twitter, at TrackListingPod. Tell your friends, tell your family about Track Listing Podcast. And we sure would appreciate it if you would rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on chess.com at TrackListingPodcast or reddit.com at TrackListingPodcast. And now back to the episode. Back to the episode.
Welcome back to the soundtrack to Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. But before we get back to the soundtrack, Caleb Brown has a game prepared for us. Thank you, Nikki. Yes, I have a game for you. I put together uh, a round in uh, three rounds, actually, of Supergroup. All right. Hey, you guys. Right. Right. How does the game work, Caleb? Uh, I want you to, to, to work together. These are four groups of things that have something in common. Okay. So uh, this is not a sequence, perchance. You're not trying to predict uh, the next song. But I mean, it's if the you, common thread. If yeah. you get the common thread early on, you can try to guess what might fill it out. But the, like I said, it's not it's not like a progression of things. These are uh, four groups of things that all have something in common. Uh, I'm I'm trying to start this easier and get a little bit harder. I think that you guys will do all right. The third one might be a little bit hard, but we'll see. Oof. We'll see how it works out. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, so starting with round one. Again, uh, for the listeners, if you're a new listener, this is sometimes there's a connection between the uh, artists. Sometimes it has something to do with the songs. Um, anyways, here we go. Clue one. You're sweet generous, my sweetheart. Weezer to me it sounded like late Weezer, and I heard the lyric Rosetta Stone. Yeah, at the end of that, so maybe okay. we're talking about some type of ancient codexes Ooh. or language learning. If the next oh, one's yeah. Duolingo, Duolipa, Duo <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we hear clue two. You guys are all jazzed up. Let's hear clue two. But they can, and that is why they know not if it's dark outside or light. Okay, Elton John. Elton Yawn. Bit of a duet there, maybe, or was it just doubling his voice at one point? Oh, I don't know. But, so, uh, Rosetta Stone, but also some ancient things in there. I heard Mona Lisa. So if you got Rosetta Stone, Mona Lisa. Elton John, formerly known, birth name Reggie Dwight. Reginald Dwight. Unhelpful. Reginald Dwight. Good, yeah, I don't know. Caleb's pretty tricky. All right. <laughs> I guess I got some clues. Let's get into uh, song three. Yo, it's the green machine. Gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, let's move. Vanilla is filled with a new jack groove. Gonna rock. I think this is all Ninja Turtle stuff happening because okay. that's Vanilla Ice um, and, and I guess TMNT2, Secret of the Ooze. He's talking about Ninja Turtles. The first one we had Rosetta Stone something, mm -hmm. but then I heard Mona Lisa. So Da Vinci, Leonardo. Aha. Uh -huh. I think maybe we've done a Ninja Turtles game before. I don't know. Perhaps. I don't think we have, but... Uh, huh? Donatello. I don't know. Do you guys want to hear the fourth one and try to... Uh... Who are the four Ninja Turtles? Uh, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Leonardo. Leonardo. Yeah, let's hear uh, Clue 4. Let's hear yeah. Clue 4. If she really wants to go, I think deep down she knows that all she has to say is when she likes me for me, not 
I'm thinking Ninja Turtles, or is it just Leonardo? Yeah, I think da Vinci? It's Ninja Turtles, but I can't specify it in each of the songs. But I'm gonna. Well, it's, we don't have to find a sequence. We just have to find the connection. Just to find the connection. And so, is it the Da Vinci Code? Uh, no. Or is it the, each of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? These are all songs about Leonardo's. So the first oh. track. So I'll give you credit. You guys were, I mean, the Ninja Turtles thing, technically, you know, Leonardo, even if they're all about Leonardo, they're all about Ninja Turtles. Uh, the first track is a song called Da Vinci by Weezer. Ah, uh, yes. Before he's talking about Rosetta Stone, he says, uh, Da Vinci, paint you like a painting uh, Late Weezer, just gotta yeah, listen to that. <laughs> uh, second song, Elton John with Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Of course, right. uh, Mona Lisa is a Leonardo. And then uh, Ninja Rap, he's singing about the Ninja Turtle, Leonardo. Okay. And then Blessed Union of Souls, the song is called Hey Leonardo, singing about Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. So yeah. they're all about different Leonardos. All right. Okay. Mo- Mona Lisa, Leonardo? Leonardo, Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa is a Leonardo. Okay. It's a, right. painting, it's a painting by Leonardo. And Clerks takes place in Leonardo, New Jersey. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was missing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And... Uh, Mall Rats stars Jeremy London. So. One of the Londons. One of the That's right. <laughs> the, the circle is complete. <laughs> all right, you guys are all warmed up for round two. Let's hear the first track. Here's clue one. That's uh, that's Jet. Jet with, with cold, cold hard, hard bitch. bitch. Yeah, Jet. Jet. Some Jets have just recently been recalled by Boeing. Ah, come on, Boeing. Get your programming together. <laughs> come Fucking on. Shit up. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got all it. Right. Jet. Feel cold like hard so far. Bitch. Should we hear clear two? Let's okay. do it. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. <laughs> Alfred Molina yeah, is the yeah. best. That's one of the best scenes in cinema history in Boogie Nights where he's the drug dealer. Oh, and it's so good. Mark Wahlberg, they go to his place to try to steal money. Oh, man. That is uh, Night Ranger with Sister Christian. Oh, yeah. Sister Christian is the song. Yeah. And, and the band is... Night Ranger. Night Ranger. Um, Jet, Night Ranger, Sister Christian, Cold Hard Bitch, Sister Christian... Ranger are these like cars? Yeah, Jet is, Jetta Ranger uh, Range Rover. Uh Night uh Night Rider. Night Rider. Night Rider. What am I Knight gonna do Ranger? now that I'm uh <laughs> what do I do now that I'm Night Rider? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey is Night Rider. Um, <laughs> sorry, what was what were you thinking? Um are these like types of uh of uh like planes? Jet is a is a Night Ranger type of plane? Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can clue clue three. Let's listen to clue three. Yeah, these first two have been pretty easy to get, so here's clue three. Yes, 
Monster Ballads, 1999. MTV. <laughs> can you take me higher? Uh, can you take uh, me... Is that poison or like it's, scorpions? It's one that's like What's poison, scorpion, rat. What's uh, the band that did um, Quiet Riot? The acoustic ballad song, Extreme. Is that poison? No, Extreme is Extreme. Is extreme. Oh, the name is the name of the band. White, white, more than words. White Snake. It's, yeah, I think that's White Snake. Can yeah, you take me? Snake. Can you take me? Um, so, Snake. Let's see. Christian. Cold hard bitch. bitch. Cold Hard Bitch, Sister Christian. Uh, what was the third one again? White Snake. Can something about higher? Can you take me higher? I don't know. I might have to hear Clue Four. Yeah, I think you yeah, guys are ready for Clue Four. Yeah, I think we are. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? All right, that's, um, they might be giants with Istanbul. Yes. I was like, I, I think that's they might be giants. Formed in, a, I think, Williamsburg, Brooklyn in the early 80s. Nice. Also wrote the uh, Malcolm in the Middle theme song. No, they did. Yeah. You're yeah. not the boss of me now. A lot of, uh... The dark legacy of they might be giants. <laughs> they might be giants. Istanbul, Sister Christian, Night Ranger, uh, White Snake, Jet, Cold Hard Bitch. You seen any connections? Is it like a name switch or something like that? Or like Sister Christian, they might be giants. All right, I'm gonna Night give you guys Ranger? an extra hint. Okay. Two hints. Okay. The first hint that it has to do with the artist. Okay. And the second hint is that there's an extra clue in the lyrics of the fourth song. If you want to re-listen to that. Okay. Let's hear clue four. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? I think it has to do with change. the name of the band was changed. Oh, they all changed their names. Jet was previously another band. Sister Christian was, or Night Ranger was previously another band. White Snake was another band. Maybe. I don't know, man. I'm not sure I got it. Oh, I feel like you guys are getting further away. Do you want to know the answer? <laughs> Give yes. it to us straight. All right. Well, as they say in Istanbul, uh, once New York was once called New Amsterdam. These are all major sports teams in New York City. Oh, the Jets, oh, the Rangers, God, the Giants. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, the third song, High Enough by the Damn Yankees. The Damn ah, Yankees. That's right. Oh, Which yeah. was a super group. Headbangers yeah. Ball. Uh, yeah. Ted Nugent and <laughs> yeah, right. one of the members of Night Ranger was also in Damn Yankees. Oh, that was a good. Uh, oh, that was good. That was a good. That was good. That was good. Uh, for some of our fans, and the Rangers are a hockey team. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stay safe for the Super Bowl tomorrow, folks. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, a week ago. Tomorrow, a week ago. <laughs> Should we hear the first clue to round three? Yes. Let's do it. Lo mismo me preguntaba. Ella quería que yo fuera su hombre. Y yo quería que ella fuera mi dama. Soy el que le gusta. Su cuerpo me reclama. Cuando se siente sola. Yo soy el hombre que ella llama. Yo soy el que le gusta. Ok. Is that like maybe Bad Bunny? Daddy Yankee or something? Mm. I don't know. Um, 
I, I wasn't listening to the Spanish lyrics. Soy, soy un pregunta. Was it, I have a question? That uh, is the correct translation. Is that, what, is that what they said? I wasn't listening. Unclear. Should we hear clue two? Yeah. I think it's best to move on to clue number two. <laughs> Every night, doing you right. You're the type of woman to serve good fame. This full of diamonds, a handful of rain. Maybe you're a star. I just want to show you you are. You should let me love you. Let me be the one to give you everything you want and need. A baby good love. You did hear the lyric diamond. Maybe we're dealing with something baseball related. Um, who's, who's that song by? Is that You Should Let Me Love You? I don't think I know the artist for that just one. Just Wanna Love You. Is that, it's not Usher, is it? Should we hear clue three? Yeah. Let's do it. Sucking on my titties like you wanna be calling me all the time like Blondie. Check out my Chrissy behind it's fine all of the time. Like sex on the beaches. What else is in the teachers of peaches? Huh? What? Fuck the pain away. 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 That I think is parental called, advisory uh, <laughs> explicit lyrics. Yeah, it's also a, it's a hot mix. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, peaches by uh, or it's peaches and it's um, fuck the pain away. Um, <laughs> so my guess is that it's about the um, artist. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, the first one is uh, if it's who do we think? <laughs> so if it ends in peaches. Uh, like Georgia peaches, peaches and cream, peaches and cream. Maybe you want to hear the fourth song. <laughs> Maybe we do. Piece Maybe it together. we do. Yeah, don't tell us what we want. But yeah, sure. here's clue four. I feel like I'm in a Friends episode. What happened? I'm not sure who that artist is, but it's like that's someone all, that opened for REM. That song yeah. might have been in Friends. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did sound a little REM-y to me, but it's a little too a little janglier. So maybe some. You talking early, REM to me? I'm talking REM to you. Are these all things from Georgia? Peaches. Oh, I like that. Ah, uh, it is not. Okay. <sighs> okay. I, it is to do with the artist. Okay. Okay. I feel like you guys might be in trouble at this point. <laughs> I was worried about this. I'm feeling scared. <laughs> what, was, what was the second clue again? Uh, that yeah. had something to do with diamond in the lyrics. Oh, oh. that was uh, who I maybe thought was Usher. I wouldn't mind yeah, hearing that song again. Yeah. I've, I've kind of like fallen back in love with it. Let's just listen week. to clue two. Every night, doing you right. You're the type of woman to serve good fame. This full of diamonds, a handful of rain. I just want to show you you are You should let me love you Let me be the one to Give you everything you want and need Yeah, I, I know that song very well And I'm embarrassed that I can't remember who it's can by Can you maybe exactly. give us some of the artist names? And we can see if we can figure out what the connection is <laughs> That's not how the game works I don't know uh, Peaches is right Yeah 
Um, Eat a Peach is I like will the say, Almond Brothers okay. album. So the fourth song, the REM sounding song, is a band that we've talked to on talked about on this podcast. I think at least two times. Never been a guest, just discussed. Just discussed, <laughs> and I think that the most remarkable thing about them is they got their name from a very funny and strange uh, source, and it is a it is a famously bad name. Is that Save Ferris? No, is that um? Oh, oh I, I know um, it is. It's a, a Toad the Wet Sprocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. The so, most ridiculously dressed band in history. Yeah, it was a sketch. Look at their Spotify profile. It's terrifying. <laughs> it was a, a Monty Python sketch That's where right. they were. It's very like cyberpunky. I don't know. It's crazy. Okay, so Toad, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Oh, Peach. This is Peach. Oh, Princess Peach. Princess Peach. Toad, Mario. So Mario. Uh, Yoshi. Somebody. And then... <laughs> Nintendo Super Mario characters. Who is, so the "Let Me Love You" is by Waluigi. <laughs> Koopa Troopa, Koopa track one. Troopa. All right. Well, uh, track number one is a song <laughs> called <Latiku. laughs> "Me Reclama" by it's the Mambo Kings featuring Ozuna and Luigi Twenty One Plus. It's a song that has tens of millions of streams. So I feel like I, I had the right to put it That's in. Fair. That's fair. Uh, is that num- Mario Lopez for track number two? Number two is a track that was the number one song in america for yeah, like nine no, weeks i know uh let me love you by the artist mario I, okay and i did mario not know that was or mario <laughs> where do you fall on this chris it's mario, mario. <laughs> it's me mario. i only know how to pronounce the r&b singer's name and it's mario it's mario <laughs> Uh, number three Mario. is Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches. And number four, All I Want by Toad the Wet Sprocket. These ah. are the four starting characters from, uh, I guess, most specifically, Super Mario Brothers 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well done. Toki Toki Panic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think that's the uh, game that is like loosely supposed to be a theater production because when you exit the level, you're going backstage. I think that's behind the, the scenery. third one. That's oh, is that the third, third one? one. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me, sec- we're going to get some hate mail. <laughs> the second one was actually, uh, it was supposed to be like, uh, you're like an Aladdin type character. It's like cartoony and you pull carrots out of the ground. Yeah, it's yeah. out of control. And it's all like <laughs> it's Middle nuts. Eastern. It's nuts. And then at the end, he wakes up and it's all a dream. And it's like, yeah, this is meaningless. Yeah, Go back to vanilla sky. It was a uh, pre-existing Japanese game called, <laughs> I think it was like Toki Doki Panic or Toki Toki Panic or something. Yeah, and they were like, they we just, need another Mario. Yeah, like, and they just changed the sprites and like switched some things around. Nintendo, where is the sequel to Breath of the Wild? <laughs> we're losing our minds. <laughs> Save Thanks. us through this pandemic. Guys, Thank you, Caleb. Thanks for playing. I apologize. Thank you, Caleb. Tricky, but that I was good. Uh, I think I felt like I had three good uh, Mario ones and I just had to make it work somehow. <laughs> we have to step up our game. Uh, we've been playing some music trivia. Uh, uh, yeah. They're really good. We've been doing poorly. <laughs> <laughs> doing really poorly. Shout out to Shane and Mike. <laughs> anyway. You guys want to jump into track number eight? Mm-hmm. This is Sharice Arrington with Do What You Want to Do. Sharice Arrington, a 1990s R&B singer, had some Billboard hits with Down With This and uh, Ain't No Way, 
which peaked at number 92. So kind of, uh, you know, maybe a little bit forgotten. Yeah. But um, I think it fits in well with the movie. Oh, for sure. Do what you want to do. It's basically the anthem of this movie. Um, This is playing during like the... (laughs) You're staying for the Strawberry Harvest Festival, right? <laughs> no, like, sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, yeah, this is kind of towards the end of the movie when, like, the whole town sort of um, rallies around to protect uh, uh, the three main characters. And <laughs> uh, So, backing up a little bit, Patrick Swayze gets pulled over by Chris Penn, Officer Dullard, or Dollard, but it's a, it's a misprint. And... Uh, he gets like he, you know a little creepy, and uh, Patrick Swayze shoves Chris Penn, and he gets knocked out, and they just sort of drive away, not knowing if he's dead or alive. And then Chris Penn sort of like um, goes on a campaign to find these drag queens, and it sort of ruins his life because his friends hate him, and the they're making fun of him that he got either beat up by a woman or a man dressed as a woman. And then he's like, you know, later sitting at a bar, like these sinewy muscly men just rubbing faces just oh it's terrible that they're rippling bodies or <laughs> that scene did make me laugh where he's like it's painful just like wearing dresses dancing having a good time and people on a bar are just like glaring at him like, <laughs> like dude, a weird cop uh, <laughs> it's like the like those politicians that are like we need to rid the world of this deliciously decadent <laughs> sin that men just touch each other you know you're like dude you've been thinking about this a lot like it's preoccupying your brain i i can't imagine anything more terrifying than sitting in a country bar next to a a police officer in uniform just like drunk off of his ass just like monologuing just saying like weird words like (laughs) legs sweat and he's just got a woman's shoe sitting in front of him on the bar (laughs) fishnet stockings (laughs) over a muscly calf (laughs) i think he has a gun on it (laughs) there's a great uh, snl sketch with uh, bobby moynihan and uh, i think beck bennett's in it as well where um these four or five guys all work in an auto shop and uh, I think Kenan Thompson mentions like the most recent episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, and then Bobby Moynihan kind of chimes in, and they slowly realize that they're all like super fans, huge fans of Drag Race. And their yeah. auto shop turns into like this drag performance. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I did get a good laugh at it. So yeah, Chris Penn has like tracked them down to this town, and then um, I guess uh, Stalker Channing like dresses up as Patrick Swayze, but it's like. It's just me. I am the drag queen. And then everyone in the town's like, I am the drag queen. I am the drag It's like one of the worst Spartacus scenes I've <laughs> yeah, seen in my life. Exactly. Exactly. You're like, okay, all right. Yeah, hey, good for this town, you know? <laughs> I think the biggest issue that I have with this film is that for the first third of it, it's unclear whether you're watching a comedy or you're watching something that's going to turn dark. That's true. And I was kind of like, okay. And so I was constantly in fear of something terrible happening to the main characters. And then they break down in a town where there's just like packs of men who don't talk and they just follow people hoping to rape them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of played off as a joke. And those people later like become their friends because they're like, ah, the town looks nice now. So maybe I'm not a rapist. And it's just like, (laughs) ah, 
I, th- I think you're very right because like very early on Patrick Swayze is like, Hey, we have to be like careful in most of the country. So just like be on like, like keep a low profile because <laughs> yeah. there's people that are just going to kill us for <laughs> just pulling up in this town. And then, you know, John Leguizamo was like, never, <laughs> like, but you're, you're so right. You're like, is something bad going to happen? Because it, uh, they set it up to happen many, many times within this movie, and then it always makes like a comedic turn. Yeah, but, I mean, I, it, it left me like queasy for a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. I I was I always felt a little safe because Wesley Snipes is huge. <laughs> I was like, if he yes. ever wants to turn it on, he is the biggest guy in every scene. So I was like, I was never afraid for Wesley Snipes, and I think that there's a little bit of uh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> truth in the character that. Uh, Drag queen or not, a black man traveling across the country kind of knows what's up. Yeah. Is like, I, I know what this town is. That's this true. town is fucking terrible. I yeah. think Patrick Swayze <laughs> might be my least favorite drag queen in the movie. I think John Leguizamo is probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, w- I mean, Patrick Swayze does kick some ass at one point. Um, you know, roundhouse kick to the face. I was, <laughs> I was hoping you would do some roadhouse moves uh, <laughs> and just be like, oh, yeah, I used to be a bouncer, but then I... You know, <laughs> Anyway, I was hanging out. Uh, I was bouncing at a drag club, and I got into it, and uh, here we are. <laughs> Apparently, like his uh, graceful dancing is what ultimately landed him the gig, compared to um, some other actors that were up for the role. But they're like, yeah, he's just got this these graceful little moves, dude. Swayze can move. There's oh, a few. Time. There's a few like lines in the script about these these ladies in town being like pretty tall, and like uh, Swayze and Leguizamo were like. How tall are we talking about? <laughs> like five five? Yeah, they make a, tall? they make a yeah. whole joke. About, I mean, I guess they're always wearing heels and like crazy platform yeah. shoes. But are they taller than Stalker Channing? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. You guys want to move into track nine? Yeah, let's do it. This is Cindy Lopper with "Hey Now." Girls just want to have fun. Single edit version. Cindy Lauper, obviously a version that's been uh, reformatted for the movie, which I appreciate. And uh, you may remember the original from the 2004 Carnival Cruise Line uh, ad campaign. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was Cindy Lauper's first single as a solo artist. And uh, might remember it from other films as well, such as Baby Mama, I Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, and uh, Riding in Cars with Boys from 2001. Damn man, Cindy Lauper's awesome. Yeah, she like wrote a musical as well. Yeah, this uh this version they're incorporating some they're I guess they're cribbing that Redbone song mm-hmm. um that was like famously used in Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Oh yeah, we gotta hey get to that one too. Hey one of my favorite things is when you take two songs i really really like and you smash them together into a song that i don't really like (laughs) and that's what we're listening to right here yeah it's like fruit cake you know (laughs) cake it's great fruit awesome (laughs) fruit cake nasty crap (laughs) neither a fruit nor a cake (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is playing during the uh the la i guess the nationals the drag queen uh contest which john leguizamo ends up winning again 
don't think John Leguizamo is eligible for this. Oh, um, he's like the third lead. He's the underdog. You know, they're kind of showing him the way. He loses the first uh, pageant. In New York City. In New York City. And they find him crying in a stairwell. And they sort of take this, you know, mixed up kid under their arms, you know, under their wings. And See, they don't even refer to him as a drag queen amongst themselves at that time. Just it's a kind of boy insulting. in yeah. a dress. Just a boy in a dress. Yeah. I have like a, I guess, a different issue with the ending, which is my understanding is that it seems like the organizations are kind of loosely affiliated and they didn't so much uh, qualify for the finals as they just got round trip tickets to go out and show up. Oh, yeah. That was kind of my understanding. So I think that they just kind of showed up and competed. Uh, my issue is that when they run into John Leguizamo, uh, Chichi Rodriguez on in the stairwell, they pretend to not know who they are who she is mm-hmm. uh even though they were just competing with her on a stage of like maybe only eight people yeah and so i think that they were low-key like bullying like they'd been competing with this person probably mm-hmm. like spending like a week with them and they run to me like oh who's this unfortunate soul I've never seen him before it's like, <laughs> it's like it's, we're in the same circles it's me <laughs> yeah I was also a finalist. We were just on stage. Yeah, and the scene isn't that big. Yeah, like, yeah. You're probably going to be peripherally aware if you've been <laughs> a, if you've been in that scene long enough to compete in a pageant. You might have heard of somebody. You know what I mean? But it looks like we are pulling into track ten, the penultimate track. This is Patty Labelle with "Over the Rainbow." Something I did forget to mention for uh, Cindy Lauper uh, before we talk about Patti LaBelle and Over the Rainbow is that uh, Weird Al Yankovic uh, did a parody on his album Dare to be Stupid uh, that was Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy Lauper did a Reddit AMA you know, more recently and said, you know, I loved Like a Surgeon and uh, Girls Just Want to Have Lunch is uh, also one of my favorites of Weird Al. Like, I she's a big Weird Al fan. But anyway. <laughs> Those Weird Al B-sides, I will say. I People Deep talk cuts. about Weird Al like he's some fucking god. And he had <laughs> some, like, uh, I, I, I Need a New Duck uh, was really bad. <laughs> I'm Addicted to Spuds. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> like, sometimes Too you're clearly. like, it doesn't even rhyme. Come on. Anyway. But, um, yeah, Over the Rainbow, that track was originally written for the movie Wizard of Oz, you may remember. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Watch the movie Judy with Renee Zellweger. It's pretty good. It's amazing. And uh, deeper interpretation. Um, maybe Dorothy's longing for heaven. Mm-hmm. But um, somewhere for the rainbow. Yeah. The, uh, Won an Oscar in 1939 for best original song, and uh, apparently Judy Garland was urged to sing the song when she was accepting the award, which she uh, she obliged. But she said that she had a hard time getting through it because she was so excited. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. The nerves. I've always kind of like, uh, for a long time, kind of, uh, I guess, maybe was confused, or at least I hadn't thought too deeply about uh, kind of the gay community's association with Wizard of Oz. You know, the mm-hmm. it's like the Friends of Dorothy used to be the euphemism. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know Dorothy? Day. Yeah. And uh, 
it was recently I was watching a, I guess, I mean, I kind of had an idea about it, but uh, recently I was watching a stand-up bit that Julio Torres was doing where he was talking about uh, when he was uh, a young kid and he was watching Cinderella and the scene, it was like a, the first scene with the the shoe, like the, the glass slipper. Mm-hmm. And he just kept making his mom like rewind it to the part where she's like putting her foot in the glass slipper. Yeah. And it's this way of like, you know, before the internet kind of uh, democratized uh, media and culture, it's like there was, you know, especially if you were living in a small town, there's like only so many things that are getting out to you. And it's all like mass culture things. Uh, talking, you know, especially going back to, you know, say like the 40s and 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And when something like The Wizard of Oz comes out, which is all, you know, it's a story about somebody coming from the small Kansas town that's black and white. And then you go on this journey where it's all about like, uh, accepting weird people you find and it's like this fabulous thing and it's like this technicolor like gaudy thing and it's like yeah like it's crazy it's crazy to think about all of these kind of people having to manufacture uh like a cultural identity Mm -hmm. out of like kind of found objects that are like i mean obviously there's probably a lot of um people uh you know gay people queer people that were like working on that film but not like outwardly it was ostensibly like a straight film for straight america but it was like just fabulous enough to kind of like catch the imagination of everybody that was like trapped just out into Mm -hmm. this like drab like world and then like latch on to and so it's you know it's kind of like it's sweet in a way but it's now now you have like big movie studios like trying to like orchestrate like what's a great like gay film that we can put out there that all the gay people will love instead of just like these things kind of happening on accident. So the cowardly lion, he's a bear. Scarecrow's a <laughs> twink. What is the tin man? Is he <laughs> a dildo? I think no, I that was a, a beautiful point, Caleb. I, I was trying to figure out how to, <laughs> to undercut. I was going to be like, that's interesting. Wrong, but it's, uh, it's interesting. I don't think that's the case. I, I had to know. stop myself from doing the uh, Michael Barbaro move where someone tells an interesting point and he goes, hmm. hmm. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess my point is that this film, even though this isn't like one of my uh, favorite films I've seen in a while, it's... It's a manufactured thing versus like a... a no, I think it's one. styling of self. It's, it's the backwards Wizard of Oz, right? Where yeah. it's uh, you're starting from the Emerald City and then you're going out with all your Technicolor into a gray world and then the characters try to make, you know, Kansas into uh, Oz or whatever. So which it's, is kind of a sweet idea. So they should have been in a hot air balloon. Yes. I think that's, yeah. Okay, I, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> I guess, and like Chris Penn is a flying monkey or something, or yeah. maybe the witch. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But there is the shoe uh, from Cinderella. Yeah. You know, they have that shoe in this. God, like, yeah, maybe it's all intentional. Maybe I'm dumb and everybody knows this already. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it looks like we're pulling into the very last track. This is track number 11. This is Rachel Portman with the Tu Wong Fu Suite. When I get to Hollywood, a day with the girls, mom's Mabley, and stand up. score closing us out here i'm looking at some of the uh, credits for the soundtrack and the art direction is by vartan 
And uh, Vartan could not look more similar to Nigel's character from The Big Lebowski, <laughs> who's the art director. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, nice to hear a little bit of score on the soundtrack as well. Yeah, That was I a mean, little bit of a, I think on the original release, each of those tracks was separated out, but on this uh, one release, it's kind of lumped together in a uh, kind of a score suite. Yeah, I found a lot of the score to be a little distracting in the film. I didn't quite Some of that oboe. i think they should they should have played this movie more real i think you're right caleb i think they should have like stuck uh, picked a lane and just kind of stuck with it because like i think it would have been a much more compelling movie than like this you can still connect with the like people from a small town versus like hey strawberry party where we're all drag queens you know it's yeah if anything i guess this film is probably a little bit unfair to it's uh it's it's rural characters and that they're either like like uh you know gaping like racist uh, rapists or just like i'm a housewife and it never occurred to me to try to enjoy my life <laughs> you're like yeah. what <laughs> yeah very true uh but you know it, it's hard is maybe in the right place i think it is in the right place yeah, yeah. it was the 90s a mixed up time i don't know what to say yeah 1995 yeah well you said it their heart was in the right place uh, maybe swinging a miss on this one I yeah know. i i priscilla yeah. queen of the desert i think is a better movie but. i think that's supposed to be i mean i'm i'm recently rewatched uh the birdcage and which is I, a remake of an older film it was a remake of a french, french film, film that was yeah. maybe a few years older and uh i really really enjoy that movie i think i mean there's some things that are a little bit dated but i had a great time i think i that's mean you like can't a, argue with hank azaria's uh <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing you probably can't argue you can't, with. i was gonna <laughs> say of all the things you might be able to because okay, he's doing right. like a very uh, typical uh, spanish guy and he's like not <laughs> spanish um robin williams uh yeah. in this movie but also uh i think he like brought the script to steven spielberg and like steven spielberg was like in awe of uh the cold reading that robin williams did and i was like mm-hmm. for this movie for this movie yeah yeah kind of seemed like robin williams had never seen the script he was just like i'm just gonna do some robin williams and yeah. it's like oh, i love you man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible robin impression <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. it's more oh, oh, oh. oh. That is the soundtrack to Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Namara. Yeah. Thanks for uh, listening, and uh, we should move into our recommendation. We want to rate this on a scale of zero to fifteen. <sighs> zero to fifteen. Shit. Platform shoes. Zero to fifteen. Chichi Rodriguez. Chichi Rodriguez's zero to fifteen. Numars. Yeah, I'll do Numars. Yeah, I'll do Numars. Numars. Zero to fifteen. Numars. She's statuesque. Oh, zero yeah. to 15 new has the cameo at the end of the has film has the cameo she awards john legazamo yeah the main prize yeah she showed up for uh the filming one day of the set and they're like get in there <laughs> killed it yeah. she looks great she looks great uh, looks it looks great. like uh maybe chris is leading us off with the recommendation oh, is, that, is that what we're doing okay so i had a, a zero to 15 new mars and also if you could give me a quick favorite song least favorite song favorite song i'm gonna say labelle's turn it out I think it works uh, best on the soundtrack. Um, I don't know if it would make my normal rotation, but I think it's a great song. I'd say least favorite song. I'm going to say Nobody's Body by Monifa might be my least favorite. Um, it's just a little slower and uh, not as upbeat as some of these other tracks on here. Uh, so yeah, overall, this music doesn't play a huge part in the film, so it's tough to give this a stellar rating. But um, 
song for song, I think this should get a 9.5 Numars out of 15. 9.5 Numars. 9.5. Nikki, how do you feel about the soundtrack? I enjoyed uh, watching this film for the first time. Also enjoyed the soundtrack. Um, I liked how the soundtrack took older songs and um, recontextualized them in in the, uh, you know, kind of the world that the film takes place in. And uh, favorite track, I'm going to say, is uh, Shaka Khan, Free Yourself. And least favorite track, I'm going to have to also say, is uh, Nobody's Body by Monifa. And 0 to 15 New Mars. Um, I mean, the film I, I enjoyed, even though it's, you know, you know has its, uh, you know, plot holes at points, but uh, the film is, you know, made in earnest. And it's not an unenjoyable film. I would say like it's worth watching. Anyway, yeah, worth watching. Um, Definitely like humanized the characters and made the uh, mainstream engage with queer stories, which uh, is definitely a great thing and kind of helped carve out a bigger space for drag for the next generation and, you know, opened up like, you know, RuPaul had a show on uh, VH1 before Drag Race started, and now Drag Race is one of the most uh, popular uh, TV shows out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to give this a 9.5 Numars. All right. All right. Copycat. Copycat. <laughs> Caleb, 9.5? 9.5. Uh, I think uh, my least favorite track I'll start with, uh, I got to go with the Junior Vasquez remix of She's a Lady by Tom Jones, just in that... Even the original Tom Jones, it has its uh, charm, and you, it's kind of undeniably catchy, but I don't ever, like, go out of my way to listen to it. I'm not, like, super thrilled to hear it, and to hear, like, kind of a worse version of it uh, kind of it removed me even more from what I like about their song to begin with. Uh, I think, actually, uh, there's some songs on here that are kind of classics, but uh, there's a lot of music on here that was written uh, originally for this film, which is kind of admirable, so... I think it would be unfair to pick a song from my favorite that wasn't original for the soundtrack. And I think I got to pick uh, Do What You Want to Do by Sharice Arrington. I actually, uh, I like the production on that song quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Some good, like, uh, clippy beats. I got to give it credit for having a lot of contemporaneous original music. Um, and it's very even, but I don't say I love much of it. I got to give this, I'll say, like a 7.6. All right. New Mars. Yeah. New Mars. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, we do have to add a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. And this week we're adding our uh, needlessly long titled song. In uh, the spirit of uh, Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Neymar. Uh, so, Nikki, you want to lead <laughs> off? Sure. Uh, I've got a track here. This is a uh, seven word title. This is a song from 1969. This is from Led Zeppelin 2. This is Living Loving Maid. She's just a woman. Yeah, 1969, Led Zeppelin 2. Uh, shout out to my friend Brett from Houston who got me into Zeppelin. And 
yeah. got me obsessed with guitar when I was a little kid. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that song was also played extensively on the Houston classic rock radio, 93.7 The Arrow. Nice. And it was always lumped together with Heartbreaker. You would always hear Heartbreaker, and then it has an abrupt ending, and it would go right into the song, so you'd always hear them back to back. But uh, yeah, Led Zeppelin, you know. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> Going places. Uh, yeah, that's tough, my uh, yeah. long uh, title what's, what's song. What's the title again? Living, Loving Maid, She's Just a Woman. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Unnecessarily Chris. long. Unnecessarily long. Uh, maybe Caleb or Chris, do you have a second longest? I've got, uh, I'm up in the stakes a little bit. This is a 12-word title. 12 oh, words? 12, 12 words. Man. Uh, I never. And this is a song by Meatloaf. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the song is as meandering as its title. Uh, it's objects in the rear view mirror may appear closer than they are. Oh, I know the song well. <laughs> yes, let's hear a little cut of that. And the soul is just a car. And objects in the review mirror may appear closer than they are. And objects in the review mirror may appear closer than they Unnecessarily long title, unnecessarily long uh, song intro. Dude, is, he's all intro. Meatloaf is all, <laughs> all like, intro. it never gets to the meat of his songs, Meatloaf. Yeah. Uh, this is from 1993, uh, his album, Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, I mean, like, two out of three ain't bad. It, like, you're like, when is this all, is it, has the song started yet? Like it never gets to a chorus and you're like, it seems like don't bore us, get more. to the chorus. <laughs> Seriously. I can't ever hear Meatloaf's name without thinking about his role in um, fight club. Yeah. Bob. He was great. He was yeah, great. Man. Yeah. He's acted a bunch too. Yeah. Man of many talents, Meatloaf. He was in the apprentice. Uh, yeah. He's turned into kind of a Trump guy, I think, but uh, he <laughs> That's was always unfortunate. big fat dummy anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, do you have maybe a longest title? Oh my God, Nikki, I may. This is a track from 2010. I don't know if you guys know are familiar with the band Titus Adronicus. Uh, yeah, I think formed out of Jersey. I feel like they Isn't were like a, a hardcore, maybe a Brooklyn band. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it kind of kind of a hyper literate hardcore band. Maybe you'd say That's cool. uh, they get their their name, which I will uh, go out on a limb and say that their band name is also a, a bad band name. But uh, hmm. it's uh, Shakespeare's first play, I think, was Titus Adronicus. So a little bit yeah. of a reference there. Yeah, but okay. um, so they did uh, their second album called The Monitor, and it was kind of a bunch of Civil War themes. And uh, it's it's abrasive, but it's also an album that I actually enjoy quite a bit. Uh, the fourth track off of this album is a song that I like quite a bit, and it is called Richard II, or Extraordinary Popular Dimensions and the Madness of Crowds, parentheses, Responsible Hate Anthem, end parentheses. <laughs> let's hear a little bit let's, of that. Let's give it a listen. And you'll be Friends, and be unable to conceive it could ever happen again. Of course, you have never been to blame for the very thing. 
Uh, you guys have put my uh, long title to shame with these <laughs> extra long titles. Types Andronicus is a band that's never afraid of long song titles, and uh, and they're not afraid of the snare drum either. A lot of snare. I think there's that Fiona Apple album, and like the album name is like an entire poem of like 150 words. So I don't even know how they did press. I looked for that. into that, and I was like, I bet the songs are long too. No, the song the titles are normal. <laughs> Yeah, I think like Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco had some of the longest, worst. Emo became. Yeah, emo was really bad at that. Yeah. Time. Maybe emo is is the two thousands prog. Yeah, emo okay. might be making a comeback. Oh, we'll see. So <laughs> All right, guys, that All is right. the uh, soundtrack to Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Too Wong Fu. Too Wong Fu. Too Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie. That's right. Yeah. All right. Good pick. Good yeah. pick, Nikki. Thank you guys for listening, and I uh, hope everyone's staying safe out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're listening to this while you're on a road trip and you get stuck in a small town, you have the power to change that town. Yeah. Or just keep walking. Just yeah. get out of that. Their lives are backwards. <laughs> Don't listen to them. <laughs> Fix those people. <laughs> We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I think it's uh, maybe Chris's pick That's next week. Pick. Got any ideas to share? You'll have to tune in to find out. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.